Christmas is a holiday about giving and receiving. But I wonder, what is the best unwanted gift that you've ever received? What is that gift that somewhere in your history you didn't want, the gift that you, upon receiving it, sort of looked at the giver with a quizzical look in your eye and that feigned smile of gratitude and expressed your appreciation while on the inside saying, what in the world is this? But, after a while, you came to appreciate that gift as a significant blessing to you. What's the most unwanted or the best unwanted gift you've ever received? Mine was golf clubs. When I was 11 or 12 years old, my parents bought me golf clubs. I had no interest in golf in the time. I had really no desire to learn how to play golf. Golf was something that you watched on TV when you wanted to take a nap. At least that's what they did. I asked if I could return them. They said no. And over time, I made room in my desire and made room in my activities to learn how to play golf. And now it's one of my favorite sports to play. The best unwanted gift I've received. I wonder what it is for you. Can you think of one? One of those gifts that is a blessing to you even though it was unwanted at the time. Christmas is a holiday about giving and receiving. And when we think about giving and receiving, of course, we're not just thinking about the giving and receiving that we do with each other. But in fact, the giving and receiving that we engage with, with each other mirrors a divine transaction. The divine transaction of God giving to us and us receiving and us giving to God and Him receiving at Christmas. And if you were with us this past Sunday, Christmas Sunday, we explored the second part of that divine transaction, the opportunity for us to give to God something at Christmas. Tonight, I want to spend a few moments with you reminding ourselves of the first part, that God gives something to us at Christmas, a gift, and that we have the opportunity to receive it. The gift, of course, is the Son, Jesus, the one who would forgive us of our sins, that whoever should believe in him would not perish, the Scripture says, but have eternal life. Jesus is the gift of God to us, to save us, and we celebrate his coming at Christmas. And that's why it's so striking that when you read the account of Jesus' coming in Luke chapter 2, that upon his birth, that short account ends with some very striking words. It says that there was no place for them in the inn. Let me remind you of what it says. It says, in Luke chapter 2, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, 
the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There was no place for them. Think about that for a minute. The young woman travels miles on foot, full term in labor or in her pregnancy cycle. Upon her arrival, she goes into labor. She may have been in Bethlehem for hours or she may have been in Bethlehem for days. But she seeks an inn, a place for rest, a place for comfort, a place that she could deliver her baby. And upon finding one, the innkeeper looks upon her and he does not receive her. That would be almost unthinkable today. To send the young woman back out to have the baby along the side of the road. Or along the mountainside. Or in a stable. There was no room for her. So they wouldn't receive her and they wouldn't receive her son. There was no room. No room for her and no room for Jesus. No room for the gift of God. And the idea that Jesus is the gift of God who comes and is not always received is also talked about in another of the Christmas accounts. Just a couple books over in the book of John chapter 1, it talks about those who were his own not receiving him. It says in John 1, 9-11, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. His own people didn't receive him. This lack of reception, of course, is much more than simply not receiving someone into the inn or receiving somebody with hospitality into your home. To say that they did not receive him is another way of saying that they made no room for him in their lives. And I thought a lot about that. What was it that was occupying them so that they wouldn't make room for the Savior, the gift of God. Well, it might be the same thing that occupies so many of us. Perhaps they didn't have room in their schedule. I mean, life can be really busy, and if you blink, you might miss it. You have kids' activities, and you're pursuing a career, and of course you need some me time. It would require some changes in the schedule to make room for the Savior. Or maybe it was the room in their heart. Their affections were so focused on things, maybe the accumulation of things, or maybe the pursuit of recreation or the pursuit of comfort, that so much so that their affection for God or spiritual desires were really blocked out. There was just no room. Or perhaps it was room in their minds and among their ideas. Maybe they were taken with the pride that so many of us have that we think that we know the only way to go through this life, or if not the only way, at least the best way. And so we don't 
really consider God's way. Or, or perhaps it was room in their lifestyle. Maybe some understood that the coming of Jesus would mean something for them, but they didn't like some aspects of their lifestyle that they would have to give up. I mean, after all, sin can be pretty fun. And if the Savior is going to come in, then something else probably has to go out. And they weren't ready to make room for Him. Despite the fact that we see that many did not make room, we see that there were many who did throughout the Bible. Many who received Him, it says. And many here tonight who have received Him. John 1.12 says that there's benefits to those who receive Him. It says all those who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to be children of God. For those who receive the gift of God, God receives them. For those who make room for Jesus, God makes room for them in His family, and He calls them His children. And the interesting thing about receiving a gift like this, or really receiving any gift, is that it only takes but a moment to receive a gift. But a good gift can have benefits that go on for a very, very long time. A number of years ago, The Atlantic ran an article entitled, What Happens in One Minute Around the World? A minute is a funny amount of time when you think about it. It's long enough to notice, but so short you don't think you can accomplish much in it. There are only about 500,000 minutes in a year. But when you add up all of humanity together, a lot starts to happen in that lowly minute. Consider with me what happens before the second hand of the clock makes a full rotation. In one minute, 25 Americans will get a passport. 58 airplanes will take off around the world in one minute, according to the International Air Traffic Association. 116 people will get married, and 144 people will move into a new home, according to Gallup. 11,319 packages will be delivered by UPS in a minute. More the week of Christmas. 243,000 photos will be uploaded to Facebook in a minute. 5.4 million pounds of garbage will be produced in a minute. And at the time of the article... 7,150,000,000 human hearts will beat 500,500,000,000 times as their bodies create 858.3 quadrillion new red blood cells all in the course of one minute. A lot can happen in a minute. And it only takes a minute to receive a gift and it only takes a minute to receive a gift from God by trusting Jesus. But what only takes a minute has benefits that last for the rest of your life and for eternity. The ongoing nature of this gift is 
not a cost, but it is a benefit. It's a benefit for the rest of your days and far beyond. Colossians chapter 2 speaks of this benefit. It says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You receive a gift for a moment. You walk in the benefit of it for the rest of your life. And so I think if you think about this divine transaction between God and humanity at Christmas, you might, you might describe it as something like this. Make room to receive Jesus and you will experience the true gift of God. Make room to receive Jesus and you will experience the true gift of God. I wonder if the innkeeper ever found out who he turned away that night. You ever think about that? I wonder if he ever found out who he said we don't have room for. What an honor it would have been to be the place where the Savior of the world was born as you welcome him into humanity. We know that his own people who would not receive him We know that they eventually found out who he was. Whether they found out because they witnessed his miracles or they heard his teaching or perhaps they felt the earth shake upon his death. Or maybe they heard testimony of his resurrection. And if they didn't hear any of those things, they eventually stood before the throne of God when their days on earth were over. They had the chance to receive the gift from God. But they made no room. And as the team comes back up tonight and we sing a couple more songs, I have to ask, what about you? Have you made room? Christmas is a holiday about giving and receiving. And in this divine transaction, God is the one who gives. And he gives his son. And we receive He gives him to forgive us, to lead us, to make us part of his family, and to save us. Do you have room for him? Some of us have never made room for him for a variety of reasons. Some of us have made room at one time, but over the course of the years, we've drifted. And that space that we had for the Savior has been eroding. And Christmas is a time to remind us that we need to make room. And so, will you make room? Will you make room in your schedule for the Savior, or are you just too busy considering to consider the things of God? Will you make room in your heart, or will you allow your affections to be tied up with temporal realities? Will you make room in your mind? To consider the things that are far beyond our own conception? Or will you in your pride continue to dig in and say, I will do it my way (laughs) and not God's way? Will you make room in your lifestyle knowing that when Jesus comes in, some things go out? Or will you be like the innkeeper who says there is no room to receive the gift here. Every Christmas we sing 
one of the favorite Christmas songs. We just sang it a moment ago. And it has some really interesting words about this divine transaction between humans and God, giving and receiving. It says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. (laughs) And heaven and nature sing. Make room to receive Jesus and you will experience the full gift of God. And we can't think about Jesus' coming without considering the fact that he is coming again. And between now and that day, he gives an invitation. It's an invitation that we see at the very end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 3. It's an invitation to you and to me. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And so the question is, will you receive him? Will you prepare him room? As we listen to this song, I encourage you to think about that question as it relates to your own life and even pray with God right now.